section that says you got to do better and there's a section that says yeah baby you're really doing this and that section on the far right has not been used in a while so i'm quite enjoying dipping into some of those some of those clothes <laughs> but uh no i've not bought masses of clothes because i'm hopeful that there's still a way to go you know yeah, you know, the the bottom line is, too, it is what you eat. When you really think about it, you can work out all you want. If you don't cut down on the calories, you never lose weight. You know, you just never do. Well, should I tell it's, you what I've realized? And this, I the, psychologically, I think this is the thing. I think dieting is wrong. The notion of going on a diet to go on something immediately plants the seed that one day you're going to come off of this. So right. you go on a walk you go on a vacation, a holiday, there is always an expectation that you will return to what your life was before this. And so I've been on, I mean, I've done every, I've done every diet in the world, all of them ever, you know, shake in the morning, shake in the evening, the whole thing. <laughs> and shake. the only diet I've got is that like this, this WW like Weight Watchers app thing that I've got on my phone that tracks what you eat. It's removed the notion of me being on a diet. It's like, I'm not on a diet. This is the rest of my life. And I'm going to have bad days. But when I've got those bad days, I can reset myself. Or I can even plan for like those dinners out. So let's say my wife and I, now that everything's opening up, we're like, let's go to a restaurant. I'm like, all right, we're going to go to a restaurant tonight. I'm almost certainly going to eat a piece of bread because... You love for bread. For some reason, you know, that's the... And then I'll plan for it accordingly. But you know, everybody talks about like metabolism. They talk about all these things. That's not the issue. Do you know the issue, honestly? My fucking hands. My hands are the problem. My hands will reach for food that they know I don't want. They'll take the food. <laughs> Cut those things off. That's what I like. Honestly, that's the best diet I could do, which is strap my arms to my body. And I <laughs> no, think I would yeah. shift this weight in a heartbeat. My father used to say to me when, um, you know, he used to see all these people write diet books. And he says, it's always heavy people who write diet books, he'd say to me. And, it, and then at one point, I remember when I was a kid, they used to sell a belt that you could wear around your waist. And they'd say <laughs> it would dissolve all the fat. Wrong. So my okay. father goes, they should, my father was always angry. He goes, they should take that belt and put it around their mouths. Then they'll lose weight. It's the same <laughs> concept you have. That's <laughs> what I mean about, my brain knows what I need to eat. My, my right. mind knows. Absolutely yeah. do not eat that piece of cake my body goes don't eat the piece of cake my hands are reaching for that cake and they are just ramming it in my mouth even if i know deep down this is wrong <laughs> but you know even when i always try to watch my weight when i go to a restaurant they put that that the, the bowl of bread on the table it really if they you know my friends laugh at me but if i could sit down and pre-order if i could order from the car and they get there and the food is on the table. I wouldn't eat the bread. I'm sitting there for hours. They're trying to give me alcohol. I, my friends all drink. I don't drink. And, and I'm sitting there. And I, of course I'm going to eat bread. I'm bored and I'm hungry. This is it. It's yes. dinner time. You arrive hungry. You, yes. That's why you're at the restaurant. So, of course, if they bring you a load of bread, you're like, well, this is all that's here. I oh, restaurants. I, are, uh, this whole thing of COVID has really made me question the notion of being in a restaurant. Who are these people that order like... A coffee at 11 p.m. Right. Bring me a coffee at the start of the meal. <laughs> and they go, <laughs> okay, you're, you're all finished with the dinner. You've had like a starter, main, maybe even shared a dessert. It's 10.35 and someone goes, can I get anyone any coffee? I'm always shocked when someone goes, yeah, can I get an espresso? I'm like, 
It's 10.30 at night. What are you... What good can come from this? You mentioned uh, Weight Watchers. Is that how you... I, I, I read that you have Oprah Winfrey's actual phone number, which I don't think a lot of people have. <laughs> Is it because you went on uh, Weight Watchers and she's the chairman of Weight Watchers and somehow... Or they, she they, your they, counselor? <laughs> she's my... Yeah, she's my weight girl. No, no seriously. How do you I, get her number? I'll be honest. I didn't yeah. know I had her number, right? So uh, we did a... I'll tell you that so we did a talk. This is completely true. We did a talk about, you know, weight loss and, and, and the, the journey of it and all these things. To be clear, I just want to make this absolutely clear. Anyone who's just listening to this on the radio and not watching this, if they see me on TV tonight, they're going to go, he's fucking talking like he's lost a load of weight. He's still fat. <laughs> like, 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 I'm not, yeah. like, sound like Tell I'm him to shut his like, fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the rock over here. Like, how did I right. get in this phenomenal shape? Like, I don't look good. I just look better. So anyway, me right. and Oprah were doing this talk and... What do you mean a talk? She, you mean a talk from for, for in front of an audience or, or just no, a talk? No, no, over, the... over Zoom like this. Right. For, I think for like a live web chat you know for okay. for for ww so we're talking about this and she called me afterwards and the number came up and it was just to say that i really enjoyed that was really great thanks for spending the time you know what i mean it's very considerate in that way that's nice yeah so i saved that number as oprah thinking deep down it's almost certainly not her number but it's clearly a right. way should i ever need to contact her and then on the show one night in the most organic way, because our show has literally just become a group of people having a conversation in a right. lovely way, um, we were talking about businesses that we could we could start that would make us a load of money. And our drummer, Guillermo, said, uh, I was like, what we need, we need a brand ambassador for something. That's what we need to do. We need to piggyback a brand. And, and our drummer, Guillermo, said, what about if Oprah launches a branch of hotels mm. which is hotels all these things and we were all like oh my god we're gonna make a billion dollars and we were joking around and we were like how do we contact oprah we can get to gail we don't know what to do and then i said hang on a minute i've and this is on the show genuinely just completely organic I said i've got a number it's almost certainly not her shall we call it and we did on loudspeaker and oprah picked up <laughs> and then I immediately got terrified. I thought, this is surely the right. worst thing you can do to Oprah Winfrey is call her and You're say... You're throwing her on the air live. Yeah, I mean, exactly. without prep. Right, yeah. But she was pretty incredible, and she actually quite liked the idea and sent me a text saying, I never answer the phone to numbers I don't know, and I don't know why I did. And that was how that came about. But that's the only time I've ever called her. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you feel like a dick afterwards because you're like, you know, the woman gave me her number and now I'm bothering her at home and on the, the whole show. Thing. I mean, on the show, you know, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to think, is it worse to call her on the show? Cause at least it was funny. It's probably worse right. if I just called her out the blue and was like, just checking in, seeing how you're doing. That's probably <laughs> aren't you, weirder. <laughs> but aren't you like me? Like I go, Oh, she must think I'm such a fucking asshole. Like she gave me her number. She didn't want to be bothered and have me call her on her show. You know, there's it, it, a lot of paranoia involved in that. Oh, there's paranoia involved in everything, but that's, I know. Yes. And then very luckily and thankfully she, at the moment that I started to think, hang on a minute, we should probably just cut that out of the show. That's not fair to call someone during the show, you know what I mean? Because obviously it's right. live. She sent a text going, that was hilarious. And I was like, oh, okay, let's carry on.
You know, yeah, I mean, she's like the queen or something. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, you just can't mess with the woman. But I mean, you know, look, the weight loss is fantastic. I'm sure you feel really good about it. I mean, to get that weight off I, is. Uh, well, we're trying. You know, we're trying. Yeah. We'll get yeah. It. It's a it's a journey. So so like last night on your show, you had Ariana Grande on. Right. Mm -hmm. And you did the whole dance number with her, like a whole like musical kind of, you know, yeah. hey, we, we're finally back in the studio kind of show. And she does a dance number with you and stuff. Yeah. Do you feel funny as a late night show host contacting someone like her and saying, hey, give me up. You know, in other words, you probably had to rehearse with her all day to do something like that. Right. I mean, it's an involved bit. Uh, do you, yeah. Do, yeah. I don't do you feel, feel. No, because. Well, no, because I don't personally make that ask. Do you know what I mean? Right. So we we just had this idea for like, oh, what if we did a parody of this song, Good Morning Baltimore from Hairspray? And said, uh, you know, what if we made it no lockdowns anymore and made a big joyful song at the, on the day that all mandates have lifted in Los Angeles and this day we've been waiting for and all these things. So we, you know, I, I'm never like, hey, do you want to do this thing on, you know, text or whatever. So we just contacted her people. We send it through them. And wonderfully, they came back and said, oh, she loves this idea. She'd love to do it. And so I know I have to say, you know, she's one of a few people who always has come through and, and gone that extra mile for us on, on the show and things. And I'm constantly, I think to your point on the day that we're filming it, I find myself just relentlessly going, thank you so much for doing this. I know that right. I don't like, cause I think we were there like five or six hours, you know, doing it. And that, yeah. yeah, she's, she's pretty amazing in that way. I would imagine you're taking the person who, you know, is doing a bit like that. It's not like a bit where, it, you know, it takes two seconds of prep. She's got to learn the song. She's got to learn all the dance moves, the whole thing. It's a, it's a big ask to ask people like that. Do you find in the ratings that when you have an Ariana Grande in a bit, do, does it directly reflect the previous night's ratings? In other words, do you see a blip or a bump in the rating? I don't, I don't know what our ratings are. I don't, I wouldn't know on our overnight ratings. I've, I, I promise you, I've never ever looked. I've, I've absolutely no idea. We will see a difference in like the, the YouTube views, of course, you know, right. She's a huge global megastar. So yes, that clip I imagine will get far more views than if it was just me talking about the news that morning, you know? But why do you not look at the ratings? Is that protection so that you don't become no, influenced what's the by point? How well, can the point I adjust is that? I can't adjust that. The film's on at 1230. The, the show's on at 1237 at night. Like I, my biggest competition is people falling asleep. Right. I can't, I cannot, I cannot move that needle. You know, I, that is almost impossible at that hour of the night. And so all I can be in charge of is making as good a show as we can. And that's it really. You well, know, I'm, I keep a track of like, how many countries our show airs in or how many I keep a track on like our YouTube numbers and, and things like that. But the actual overnight Nielsen ratings, I've just, it just doesn't really bother me because I think, how can I adjust that? What can I do to make people leave the TV on? You know, we actually even did a parody song one night 
Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have formed a band called Silk Sonic and they've got a song called Leave the Door Open and we did a whole parody of that called uh, Just Leave the TV On. Right, <laughs> like, we don't yeah, mind if you've got to go to sleep. Just, <laughs> just leave the TV on, man. We've got to feed our kids, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> it is never, a night- ever looked at it. But it's a nightmare business because, in a, in a sense, you know, so much with late night now because there's so many late night shows and so much competition for those eyeballs, for those people who are awake. It's like it is a game of who is going to be the guest that night. And it's this endless pursuit. It's not only contingent upon your performance, but you know audiences. They go, hey, who's James Corden got on tonight? Who's this guy got on tonight? And then they make their choices. And it's just this burden, the booking burden of late night television. I would not want to be a booker on any late night show because it is it is just brutal. You know, yeah, and then Ari, I, I think it is. I do. I do think you're absolutely right. I think booking those shows is because you're, you're there's just too many. There's too many shows and not enough people. So, yep. you know, I, I completely sympathize all the time with the notion of trying to book this many guests for this many shows every single night is. Yep. Hard, it's horrible. Sure. It's horrible. Like Ariana Grande. Now she's got to go. Now she. Now her people start getting calls. She did James Corden's show. What well, we had asked her previously. Why didn't she do our show? It's almost like um, it's like a whole rigmarole when you agree to do a, a late night show because the other Sometimes. show starts. I'm telling we, you. So for us, I have to honestly. We there's often there's quite a lot of politics which I wasn't aware of, which I think exists more in those sort of eleven thirty slots than it ever does in the slot that I'm in. Right. Of like following guests. We won't follow that show. We we made a rule like at the very very start. We'll follow anyone, right? We'll follow. We don't, we'll Smart. follow. We'll follow anybody. We are, all we care about is making the best show we can. I yeah. think because today with the notion of the internet, I get it. In the you know not early nineties, mid nineties, I guess even late nineties, really when when having someone first. People have only got so many stories and anecdotes. I understand it from then. And I think this is just a hangover from that. But like, if I want to see Chris Pratt promoting his movie in Germany last night, I can watch it in 45 minutes. So the notion of following and all those things, I just have never really prescribed to. All I really think about is let's just try and be the most original that we can be. That's all that really matters. You know, being on at twelve thirty-seven, it's interesting. The, the um, first of all, you you are back now in the studio, but you don't have yeah. a studio audience yet. We don't. No. And I would think you're going to tell me no, but I would have thought you'd say, "This has been so fucking liberating, not having a studio audience. I love it, and I never want to see a studio audience again." But you enjoy the audience. I know that. I hate having a live audience. I think it's well, the worst thing ever. Well, look, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I'm very relieved that through that whole election cycle, we didn't, because so much of it was so dark. It was so bleak. Trying to talk about that in front of 200 people, I don't think would have been fun. And particularly our audience, which is the audience that we find in our studio, quite a lot of young Kids, quite a lot of teenagers, early twenties, quite a lot of tourists who've come to LA who they don't know about if Ted Cruz has taken a trip to Cabo. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't know. And yeah. so sometimes previously 
I would tell these, and I'd be telling these jokes to a group of people who are like, I don't even know the story, let alone get the joke. <laughs> you know? You're going to do a seven hour setup. You know? Yeah, and they'd be like, why are you doing this? I thought we was just like a really fun time, <laughs> you know? So right. it's, um, so going through that election cycle, I did find it incredibly liberating, actually, to just be talking to our crew. I mean, we, right. we talked for a long time because at first we did the show in my garage, literally a few feet from where I'm sat right now. And that was not fun. That was right. really unpleasant being completely in isolation doing it on Zoom, which I'm sure is a, is a feeling that lots of people have felt this past 12 or 18 months. But now For me, it's heaven, by the way, just so you know. I know I'd it love, is. Yeah, yes, no. I love it. Well, but you, yep. you've, you've really got this down. Like, you're never going to yeah. go back to that studio, right? I love isolation. I love it. I don't want to see anyone. I want to hear anybody. I just want to be sitting here by myself. But I understand. But people do want to see you, though. That's what you have to understand, is that you have, oh, they can see me. you have to understand that, like, for me, my trips to New York which normally happens sort of once or twice a year over the last sort of five years, whether I'm coming into like the Tony Awards or some CBS function or whatever it is, take you, you won't take this compliment, but I mean it. An absolute thrill for me has been coming to your studio, seeing Steve, seeing Gary, seeing Robin, right, and then fun. sitting with you for an hour and a half is you might not want to. And, but I promise you for guests on your show, they really, really enjoy that time in your orbit for just a moment. Yeah, you know. And I know I'm being a little facetious. I do. I will go back to our studio in New York, and when once we get this all settled, uh, we're trying to figure it out. But you know, with you, I was wondering how cooperative CBS was. I was, uh, you know, Seth Meyers, of course, is on the same time as you. And when I was talking with him, he was like, NBC was so bad to me. He was honest about it. He said. Like they, they put a lot of energy into the Tonight Show and into Fallon. But, um, uh, when he was broadcasting from home during the pandemic, he said it was a nightmare. He had to, like, he had to set up his own equipment. He, like, nobody would help him. It was really difficult for him. Did you get a lot of support during this or were you kind of loads. like, oh, no, loads? loads. I couldn't have oh, wished good. for more, actually. It was, it was, uh, yeah, I, like the, the, the bosses that I have and, just the way that we sort of run our show, I, it couldn't be more supportive, actually. I, I I couldn't give you one place where they've fallen down. And I might like, look, we, we sort of talk shit about them all the time on the show, but like deep down, it all comes from a place of, of genuine love. I mean, there's a weird thing happening, which we talked about last night on the show, where obviously Steven's show is on before hours. He's in New York. He had like, I guess his audience holds 600 people, maskless, you know, all vaccinated, cheering in a theater. And we're still having, being in our studio, no audience with masks on because we abide by a West Coast CBS Viacom. I don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> thing. I've no idea. But if I'm honest, I quite enjoy that bit of fun that we can have. I feel like our role as that 1230 show is to be a sort of juvenile younger brother who's just like, we're going to try and have as much fun here as possible. Can you believe they're letting us do this on TV? This is stupid, you know? Are you getting sick of the constant, um, uh, I don't want to say, it, it, it's... Listen, you put yourself on TV, you know you're going to be controversial. And to me, I feel like all you want to do is just have some fun 
entertain some people and get out of there. I happen to enjoy the bit you do where you take out these foods and people eat the food. And if they don't, if they don't answer your question, they have to eat this bizarre food. Sure. So out of the blue, it couldn't be a more harmless bit in my mind. Out of the blue, I guess some group of people are offended by this because you are serving foods that are popular in their culture, which I don't know where this culture is, but what the <laughs> fuck? Who the hell is eating this shit like 3,000-year-old eggs and all this horrible stuff? Isn't that somewhat absurd? I mean, how are you going to deal with this? I know you want to be, you know, you, you want to be sensitive to people's uh, uh, problems, but you're not going to give up that bit, I hope. Uh, no, look, we, we, we heard of that. You know, we, we heard that this was, this was a thing. So yeah, 100%. Look, we, you, as you said at the start, we want to make a show that is just full of joy. We don't want to make a show that upsets anybody. So the next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't play it uh -oh. with the, uh oh, I'm losing you. I'm losing you. I, James, are you there? Shit, I hate I hate when I lose the guest. Not for much longer, I don't think. Wait, maybe James will be back. I still see his video. But in spurts. Right. Are you there, James? James, you there? Oh, you're back. No. Audio's Wait a gone. Minute. Say hello. We check, should check. be able to hear him. The video's yeah. now set. Yeah, everything's cool. Right, here he goes. Can you hear me now, he's saying. I'm reading his lips. <laughs> Wouldn't it be well, great if James Corden started masturbating like Jeffrey Tubin on CNN? He thinks he's off camera now. It would be so great if James all of a sudden started jerking off and goes, you know what? Hey, look, I'm not. On wait. Oh, wait. I'm going to put We're him on the phone. Break. Wait. Hold on. James. You yeah. there? What do I do here? I've called you. I don't know what's happened to my internet. I've called you on speakerphone. Yeah, I don't know. Your uh, Wi-Fi, it just dropped out all of a sudden. Let me see if I can, uh, oh, let me fix it. I'm not sure how to fix it. Oh, hang on. I, how are you going to fix it? I'm going to act like I know hang what on. I'm doing. <laughs> well, I've got you now on speakerphone. You know what I said would be funny? Oh, hang on. I think I can see you now. Can you hear me properly on the internet? I, yeah, I see you fine. No. I just don't hear you. We don't hear you no, except on the blurry. phone. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you on the phone. So I was right in the middle of a, an answer. How much of my answer did you hear? I heard. I heard a good amount of it. Like I was. I, I was saying to you, when when you get this criticism, which comes out of the blue, like because you're eating strange foods, and then people go, "Well, that's our culture, and we love those foods." I mean, are people just being too sensitive about stuff? Well, that's really not for us to say. I think is is the answer. Like we we heard that story, and you know, the next time we. The next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't involve or use any of those foods. Like, as you said at the start, our show is a show about joy and light and love. We don't want to make a show that upset anybody. You know, look, in the same way that when we played it with Anna Wintour, we gave her a pizza covered in cheeseburgers. Do you know what I mean? So right. it's, it's all, you know, so we, we completely understand. And we just, yeah, I don't know when we're going to do that bit again. But when we do, we absolutely won't use any, any foods that it's not for us to determine whether somebody's upset or hurt about something, that's not for us to decide. All we can do is go, all right, we get, we get it, we hear you, we won't do that, you know? Yeah, I, I just thought, like, oh, my God, he must be getting sick of this. I thought, like, that, like, 
You've even said when you came over from England, when you were in, when you were living in England, you had a big hit TV show, and uh, yeah. and recently you went back to England because they had a sort of a reunion of the show, and it was very successful in England. I just wonder sometimes if you don't pine away for the old days before all the bullshit, you know. Um, in what sense? How do you mean? In what way? I mean, you know, England is your home. I don't know. Do you love? Do you love living here? Do you love sometimes the criticism? You did a, 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 a nice job with the Friends reunion, and then you know critics will say, "Oh, James Corden shouldn't be hosting the Friends reunion. He's British. It's an American show." I mean, people were literally saying that, right? I mean, it's like uh, I, I didn't know. know about. I, I, if I'm honest, I just don't read anything. I don't read anything. I just don't engage with it anymore because, from what I can work out. Right, what I can work out, when you're doing a, a job like this, you're either the best thing in the world or you're shit. And neither <laughs> of those are true. That's right. Neither of those are true, and both of those are dangerous for you. So I just don't read anything. I don't engage with anything because what's the point, really? All I really am trying to do is provide the best life for my family and have a really good time on this sort of mad adventure since it's been since we came to america so i don't right. know how long we'll live here that's more a discussion for like and my wife and i we talk about it a lot because we've got you know parents who are a long way away who we've certainly felt a long way away from this past 18 months like we really it's been hard that to not see for them not to see grandchildren for 20 months or how or 19 months however long it's been like it's a long time to be away so but then by the same token we really are having a really really lovely time so it will be more a question of like educating our children what sort of things do we want to do how long do we want to do this for and those are questions and i often say to to jules my wife i sort of just say well we'll burn that bridge when we get to it you know that's the only way to do it how involved do you get with with um like booking the show it's a it's a weird thing like here you here you're a late night host and i always i go through this all the time like i'll give you an example right now chrissy Teigen, who used to be you know a guest that was you know people wanted on their show she's going through this controversial thing she was bullying people on the internet she was doing all kinds of weird shit what like would you have her on the show now if she's called you up and said james I need to repair my image. I'm getting hammered on the internet. Uh, I need your show. Would you please, you know, let me get my word out about what's going on in my life? Would you say, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, or would you say to her, come on my show and explain yourself? Where, what, how would you handle something like that? Uh, I guess the first thing is I, I doubt we'd be the first. I doubt we'd be the show that she'd call if she needed to do some sort of PR. You know, because our show is a really kind of joyful place. We don't we we consider our position to we just have to provide a, a bit of light and levity at the end of people's days. You know, we should be the place you go after dinner, the place you go after a show. That is that is what we've always tried to create. So. I mean, look, yeah, I w- if she wanted to, to come on and, and talk about things like that, I, I think, I think, yeah, I would be open to hearing 
all about that. But I can't imagine we would be the show that her publicist would even say is the right place to go to do such a thing, you know? Yeah, so you would have her on. You would say, yeah, what the hell, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. I, I, you know, it, but because it's a tricky I thing, you don't want to... People are... Look, my feeling is we are all flawed. We are right. all... We, there are slip-ups behind us, and there are slip-ups ahead of us, all of us. I don't... Here's the truth as well. I don't really know a massive amount about this story because I haven't... Like I say, I just don't really read anything. I just don't do it. Like, I haven't even got Safari on my phone, let alone Twitter or Instagram, because I just feel like it... Do you know my thing about the internet on your phone? I feel like it is the most powerful thing in the world, and we've got it in our pocket. Like, if this was in ancient Greece or Egypt, the power of this thing would be kept so far away from humanity, and it would be only looked at in times of absolute purpose. So I don't know a, a huge amount about the story, but if, if somebody ever said, I've made a mistake and I, I'd like to talk about it, provided, obviously, you've got to look into whatever that story might be, I would always be open to somebody saying, look, I, I, I might have messed up here. Is that really true? You don't read the newspaper or check out the news? Because I think, you know, you do you do a topical monologue. You do have to be aware so of what's going kind on. Of what helps, actually, is I get a spreadsheet of all the news stories in an email of what's in the news that day. So I just get to... And look, and sometimes I'll, like, upload Safari on my phone if I need to go and look at something. But it's actually quite a good test because if somebody says, oh, where's that such-and-such such place? It's actually more fun to try and think about it and remember it than it is just to immediately Google where that place might be. It's actually more fun. It's a greater use of your mind. It's something you feel like it's a slight victory if you remember where that Whole Foods is. No, no, it's on the corner of Montana and, ah, it's either 7th or 9th. I can't remember. It's quite fun. This is, and then you can this is quite amazing to me. Again and do it again. This is quite amazing to me because you, you're almost like an Amish guy, like like <laughs> like you, 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 you're 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 ignoring the the benefits of the internet. You're saying I want to live in simpler times. I don't want to be uh, hearing all the negativity in the news and this and that and the other thing. But it, it, it's amazing because you're you're a curious guy. You're in show business. You're part of the oh, the, look, the. I go and look at things. Day. Like, I'll go and look on the New York Times, or I'll look on, or I'll open, like, the Guardian app on my phone. Like, there is a way that you can receive news without just constantly, constantly sort of, like, have you watched the, the Bo Burnham special on Netflix? It's called Inside. Have you seen it, Howard? Not yet, but I've heard people talking about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, it's exceptional. And he makes some really great points on the internet and living online. And I think the internet's wonderful. I think it's incredible. I think it's changed the world. I think it's changed travel. The very fact that we, although my internet is clearly shoddy right now, that might be another reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm holding my phone talking to you. But, you know, I think it's, there are, it is incredible what it's done for the world. It's amazing. It's brilliant. I just don't know if we as human beings need to be living in that place all the time. And if you look at this past 18 months, 
this last 18 months, what it's really felt like is, uh, what it's really felt like is we've all realized that actually human interaction and human connection is the very thing that binds us all. And you can have all of this. You can have the internet, you can have the world, all those things. But if you can't go outside and be amongst people and form and curate those relationships with your friends, form new friendships, new points of view, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you, I do know what you mean. And, and as antisocial as I am, I think um, I really need uh, to be with some people and, you know, like my... Uh, you know, my daughters now are able to visit and stuff. I, I mean, that it really seems like it's sorely needed to have some interaction with people and to it, human contact is really, really important. I mean, it, this this vaccine is the greatest thing that that ever happened. But how do you like this country where I, I, we have so many people in this country won't take the vaccine? I mean, that that's got to drive you crazy. Although maybe you don't know about it because you're not reading the paper. <laughs> that's, no, well, that's I do know. Of course, I know. You that, do know. that isn't yes. just this country. That. I think that's a struggle. You know, look, there are, there are people back at home in, in Britain who, who won't take it, that are skeptical of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a position that I can't ever completely understand. I, I'll never understand it. And I've found the politics... Am I right in saying that, that How this crisis has been politicised is the thing I'll never quite understand. How wearing a mask became political. How right. getting a vaccine became political how a stay-at-home order became political is something i'll never quite be able to get my head around but then there's lots of things i can't get my head around you know what's fun about you i just realized why i like you so much i could tell you things that are going on in the world and i could shock you right now there's probably a lot of things you don't know because you don't really read the paper or you don't i'm going to tell you something right now No, i do read the news i just don't read it all the time and go to certain places do you know what I mean? Are you aware? Are point? you aware that Ben Affleck and J Lo are back yeah, together again? Of course I am. Of course <laughs> I am. What I've do you think of that? Home, huh? Is that a mistake? You're in show business. You're way more in show business than I am. You're very accepted by Prince Harry and Oprah. What do you make <laughs> of this? I would think that that is the worst idea for those two to be back together again. What do you think? I think they need to do what their heart desires. And wow. I think there's, yeah, I, I don't know how it... It didn't work yeah, the first time, James. James, who are you well, kidding? Well, you know what? There's a, there's yeah. a, a, my, my dad says to me once, where I, this is years and years ago, maybe 15, 17 years ago, I was thinking of getting back together with a girlfriend that I, I'd broken up with. And I'll never forget my dad said to me, son, a bad shoe always pinches. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean? He said, you know when you're in the shoe shop? Yes. You know when you're in the shoe shop and you see a pair of shoes and you go, well, I'm a nine and they've only got an eight and a half, but you try them on. And you know what? They feel good, actually. They feel good. And you look in the mirror and you're like, these, these shoes are unbelievable. I right. love these shoes. This is the greatest pair of shoes I've ever had in my life. You right. wear them, everybody tells you how great the shoes are, and then they start to really hurt you. And your, sh your feet are in agony. And you put those shoes in the closet and you go, I can't wear those shoes again. They killed me. And so about in other a words, year later, yes. a year later, you're in that closet and you go, oh, I fucking love those shoes. Everybody loved those shoes. 
Oh. They're the greatest shoes I've ever seen in my life. And you put them on, and actually when you put them on, they go, they actually feel good. Maybe my feet have shrunk. Maybe the shoe has stretched. Oh, man, <laughs> this is great. I'm wearing these out tonight. And that night, come midnight, you're walking home barefoot in agony again. And I'll never forget my dad saying that to me. Ever, ever, ever. Very wise man, actually. Very, very yes, wise. He is a very um, wise man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's such an interesting thing when I read about your life, and I because I mean I don't know, I don't know you well, but from the sense that I get is is that you're a a very evolved guy. You're a you're a nice guy. You don't get you don't, you're not overly angry. You have a philosophical view of the world, which seems to me to be very peaceful and very enlightened, and yet. You described there was a point in your life when you started to get famous in England that you were out of control, that you were, you got such a big head and that you were acting, quote unquote, like a star, that you actually had to seek out therapy, which, again, I admire that as well, because you said, I'm For out sure. of control. I'm acting like an asshole is your word. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go get uh, lessons on how not to be an asshole. And you went and did that. That is, to me, a fascinating evolution. How bad were you? Well, it's, well, look, I wasn't like, it wasn't horrific. It wasn't like, you know, in terms of degrees, I was probably 10 degrees out, you know, from, from where I was. But I, my thing was I became, I've been in a very long relationship. We broke up and about seven or eight months after that, maybe less actually, probably four or five months after that, the show that I'd written for the BBC suddenly overnight, just became like the show that people were talking about and i just i just ran with it because my feeling was like this is going to go away at some point no one's going to look at me it's me i'm not going to be you know i got to <laughs> yeah. get involved in all of this and i was out and i was drinking and i was staying in places i shouldn't have stayed and just just going out and having a good time i'd never been to uni i was probably doing nothing that people at university don't do in their first three months when they leave home and go to university. But for me, I'd never had that experience. And I just went a bit, you know, so crazy. And there's a strange thing where, you know, people are telling you that you're great and you can really start to think that you're more of a dude than you really are. And that is a dangerous place to be. And then I started making work that I didn't think was remotely good enough. And a couple of friends of mine were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I remember, I can remember the first time I sat with a therapist in Regent's Park. And like, I don't want to sound like a guy who lives in California who's like, oh my God. I just, like, it wasn't that. This came from a place of like, which I think everybody could benefit from at some point in their lives. It's just going, I need to fucking talk to somebody here. And I remember sitting down with this, Therapist, and I remember, so I could, I could, if I shut my eyes, I can see the room. I remember every single corner of it, what it smelled like, everything. And he said, why are you here? And I said, I used to be, I used to be a better man than this. And I'm not entirely sure what's happened here. And then over the next few weeks or months, months actually, but there was a change within about probably six weeks or so. I just started to sort of reset myself and reconnect with my family, reconnect with my actual friends as opposed to a mass of people in London who, you know, uh, 
probably weren't. I just didn't really know him that well, but it was all intoxicating. Everything's intoxicating. That first flush of fame is so intoxicating that you can't believe it. Like, I feel like anybody who becomes famous, some people say that you're stuck at the age you were when you became famous. I don't actually think that's true. I don't think you're stunted. I just wonder if you spend the rest of your life trying to seek the feeling that you had the first weekend you were famous. Because I don't care what anybody says, that first weekend is like the entire planet's changed. Because more often than not, you're drinking in the same bar, you're in the same restaurant, you're in the same street that you were eight weeks ago. And suddenly it's like it's your birthday party. And people are like, oh my God. And you're like, this is it. This is the thing. And by the Monday, you realize that there are a massive things that come with this aren't that much fun. But that first time is like, oh, And so... I'm very grateful to that period of my life now. I'm very, very grateful to it because I couldn't feel like a, a more different person today, a more judged, well, not judged, a, a, a person with a, a sort of a bit more clarity. I think I have a clearer judgment on myself and who I am, and I think children are helping that, and my marriage has helped in that, you know? So I'm very grateful to that period, however turbulent it may have been. Yeah, you know. I'm really relating to this because I have said this on the air. Fame was intoxicating for me because I was so, before I became famous, I was not the bell of the ball. I wasn't the popular kid in school. I didn't, I mean, I was awkward. I had a lot of issues and uh, it was difficult for me to go in a room and make friends with people and really, you know, I, I certainly wasn't a ladies man, all of this kind of stuff. And when I became famous, I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You hear people say, oh, fame's a burden, this and that bullshit. If I wasn't famous, I think I would have had a very, very miserable life because I, cr I craved attention. I wanted to be accepted. And it is an intoxicating thing. And I think a lot of people would benefit from uh, getting um, some sort of therapy and checking themselves in and, and saying, what the well, hell? I don't know anybody who wouldn't. I don't know anybody who wouldn't benefit from uh, being able to talk to somebody in the most freeing manner. Where and look, sometimes I would, I would be. I remember sometimes I would drive to Regent's Park and I would think, "What am I going to say today? I'm fine. I feel all right. What have I even got to say?" And then I'd say that. I'd go, "I don't really know what I'm meant to. I don't really know what I'm meant to say today." And he would go, "Well, tell me about your week." And then slowly but surely, something would reveal itself. And you'd be like, oh, okay, I'm glad I've unpacked that a little bit. And that's not to say that any of us are just the finished, you know, article in, in any way. I am so far away from that. We all are. But, like, people evolve and people change. And I feel like if you're the same person today as you were 10 years ago, what's the point? You've got to evolve. You've got to keep moving forward, keep sort of checking yourself, you know, and so you, but yeah, you, you, I, you, I don't know anybody that wouldn't benefit from it. You, you only did therapy for like six weeks or so. That was it. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was a bit longer than that. My point was after about six weeks, I started to feel and notice ah, a very definite change. I probably did it in total for about a year. And, ah. uh, and then every now and then I'll, I'll check back in and, and stuff when I feel like, I might be, you know, feeling like, oh, hang on, I might need to chat to someone here. 
Let me ask you this. Why have I been in therapy for 25 years? I mean, this is crazy. Everyone I talk to does a year, you know, they do a couple of check-ins. I'm in this thing 25 years uh, trying to straighten myself out. I mean, it's, uh, man, I, I'm having a hard time with it. I want to I want to well, be cured. I don't think there is a cure. I don't think oh. that exists. But I it's think definitely not for how. Say, but I think, <laughs> but like, here, I'd be interested to know. So, like, Robin, you would know better than anybody else. I think it's knowing, like, and I, like you say, I, I only know you have from, like, coming and doing the show. And every time I come, I'm like, oh, man. I just, I love the whole experience of it. But, Robin, tell me, like, how has Howard evolved over this past 10, 15 years? Because I think, as a, as a fan from the outside, the evolution is seismic. What's it felt like to you? Oh, he's a completely different person than the person I started working with a uh, hundred years ago. Robin, how dare you? What? <laughs> what? Don't tell my secrets. No, okay. I am different. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> completely Robin. different. All right, Robin. Now let me. Let, so, how am I completely different? I'm a little more. Uh, I'm. I'm. What? You're approachable. Oh, You're. Okay. You have mm. compassion for people. You you think about what you're doing now as opposed to acting and then regretting it. You have regrets. You know, those you 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 are reflective at this point in your life. And you, I think, appreciate things more than you ever have. You'll never say you're happy, but you do appreciate. I do. Robin is than you did before. Well, Robin knows me so well, you know, I, I know it has worked and I'm not trying to be cavalier. I'm saying it's been a 25 year process. I just I get a little envious of like people like Robin and you who do therapy for a year and then you're like, oh, OK, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but, you know what I think but you know what I think it is. How, you know what I would say is that I think like you say, and I think there are some similarities perhaps in our sort of feeling at school and, and all those things. And, our, you know, a, a feeling in your core of like, I'll fucking show you, you don't even you wait, you know sort of thing and then and then what happens is you get that for a weekend and then you're like oh shit well i can't let this go so then you just keep chasing something and chasing something and then one day you go hang on a minute all of the things i'm chasing are none of the things i need right they're none of the things and you like my life has been a sequence of thinking when i get my driver's license my life will be like this when i get my uh, first apartment, my life will be like this. When I get a job, my life will be like this. When I get some money, my life will be like this. And all of those things haven't happened. Like, when they've happened, I've just constantly been looking to the next thing. And actually, there's a moment that comes where you sort of go, wait, don't, Jim Carrey says it best, right? Jim Carrey, who I, don't, who I don't know, I've met, but I don't know. He says an amazing thing about fame where he says you have to construct a caricature you have to construct a new version of yourself to get famous. And then when you get there, you have to make a choice at some point, which is I will either reveal to you who I really am, safe in the knowledge that all of this might disappear and at peace with that, or I will kill the person that I actually am and I will maintain this construct forever. And I think deep down what, what, what you've done, what I hope I would do or I'm still striving to do is to go, well, I know who I was when I was clamoring for this thing, but this is who I actually am and I hope that you would accept that. And I think what's amazing about you, and you talk about it in the book so brilliantly, is 
you know, you talk about the, the steps that you took to, to make those changes in your career, you know, doing the big NBC show, doing those things, going, you know, that thing that I was, that thing that I'm known for, I know it got me here, but it's not who I physically am. And let me reveal that to you. And I think it's been the most beautiful evolution, and I think it will continue to be so. First of all, I'd never heard the um, Jim Carrey explanation of fame like that and what happens. That is a genius. That is a genius uh, uh, thought, I think. He's a wise man. Yeah. Where did you you hear that? Did he do that in an interview or something? I think I read it in an interview. Now, look, we're living in an era where lots of things are attributed to people that weren't often (laughs) attributed to them. So I hope, as I've said it, it is attributed to him. From what I can remember, I think I read it on a plane in an interview, like in a magazine, and I remember thinking... Oh my gosh! But I could be wrong on that. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, that, uh, that is a, a brilliant thing. And what is going on? Before I, you know, what is there's so much to ask you about. What is going on with you and uh, Prince Harry? This is your dear friend, right? I mean, he he's now moved to America. This is a good friend of yours. I mean, it's not just a uh, hey, I see him at uh, some award show or something like that. This is a guy you will hang out with. Am I correct? Um, I've known him for a while we actually haven't hung out uh in los angeles because he lives in santa barbara which is like you know what's that an hour and a half away from where i am now so i haven't seen him a, a huge one but i'm in contact with him yeah i'm very fond of him i think he's a i mean there's there's someone who who you know you, you should talk to about sort of the notion of mental health and evolution i think he's quite profound when he talks on those subjects yeah i mean here's a guy you know, I, I constantly analyze the situation because what he did was he essentially estranged himself from his family, which is one of the hardest things you can do in life. He literally walked away from his nuclear family and uh, decided to sort of go off with his wife. And I got to tell you, man, you know, it's a ballsy thing to do, but in a way, too, it's got to be killing him inside. I, I bet you this is not easy what this, what this guy's going through. But... Well, I, I, I can't, I haven't, I can't imagine any of it's easy. I can't no. imagine any of it's easy. I, but I don't think any person in such a position or place that life is easy. I really don't. So, yeah, I, I've never really spoken to him about it in in depth in any way. I know that that's hugely disappointing to you, but I haven't. It is. And, uh, and I know it is. But well, uh, this is this is your assignment. You got to go with your buddy. Here's your assignment. You need to talk to him. I mean, this is a guy. He's a fascinating guy. I mean, everything in his life that's going on is motivated by the fact that his mother died at a young age. He didn't get to really know his mother because she was essentially killed by fame. And 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 it's probably given him such agita his whole life. That he he can't accept the fact that like these paparazzi were chasing his mother and it, and his mother was taken away from him. He's probably angry with his father because the father divorced his mother. It's it's an unbelievable story. He's got to be tortured inside. My feeling is that there is so much attention placed on him and his family, his immediate family, and it's and his extended family that. Um, to speak or comment on such a thing, I would feel completely 
uneducated to do such a thing because all I know is like the Harry that you saw on the, if you watched it, the clip that we did when we were on the open top bus and stuff, that to me is a great reflection of the person that I know. I would never even begin to speak about his experiences because I, I just, I, I'm absolutely not educated in such a way to ever talk about such a thing. Were you angry with the Oprah interview? Did you feel that Oprah was trying to steal your friendship and thunder with Harry when she <laughs> not uh, did in any that? Way. Not at all. You didn't not feel in any competitive. Way. No. no. Not, not, not <laughs> now, now, to me, you have the uh, ultimate thing out now. This uh, Peter Rabbit uh, thing, because to me, this is a great job. When someone taps oh, you, it's absolutely a great job. It's great. For, uh, first of all, it's not going to piss anyone off. That's number one. It's not like you're doing something that's going to, it's a family friendly thing. You don't have Are the to rabbits even... going to be upset that you played a rabbit. Right. Yeah. In other words, you're not going to get in trouble for playing a rabbit. Robin is a hundred percent right. Right. I, you know, which makes me think, what about this controversy? I never think of you getting in trouble, but you played a gay man and then gay people said you shouldn't play a gay man because you're not gay. Where do we stand on this? James, give us a statement on this. Um, I look, I, I think people, I genuinely believe that, that people are absolutely free to express however they feel about any, anything. I do. I do. I think it's completely, uh, I think it's everybody's right to, to express how they feel about anything. And so, and I think, you know, I, I really loved being part of that film. I had some really lovely uh, things said about it, and I and I think the film is. A, I was so I really will always be incredibly uh, grateful to be in a film that is absolutely just about acceptance and love and and all of those things. So I've I've really I, I really like you know working with Meryl Streep and Ryan Murphy and Andrew Reynolds and the entire cast like Joel and Pelman, Ariana like. It was um, it was a really really special time, and I, and I and I think the film is good, and I think the message of the film is is really is really great. So I, I really, yeah, I, it was it was a really good time in my life filming that film. It really was. My stance is, it's acting, and if you're chosen to play a character, whether the sexuality of the character is gay or straight. I, it's act, in other words, you don't have to be the the person that you're playing. It, you, it, but that's your opinion. But that's your opinion, and you are absolutely entitled to that. And then other people's opinions would be different, and they are entitled to that too. Neither is right here. Your opinion is valid, and anybody else's opinion is valid, and your want and need to share such a thing is valid. And I understand it. So I think if we if we all look at things in that way and go that is that is somebody's opinion and it's valid and they wanted to share it and they felt compelled to in the same way that this is your opinion and it's valid and you felt compelled to talk about it i think that that's okay and i think if we're all just a bit accepting of that that there are always going to be differences of opinion there are always going to be people who feel one thing and people who feel another and the trick is to be accepting of all of those things and go I get it. I accept it. That's your opinion. And I completely think it's valid. And if you felt the need to share it, 
I hope your day is better because of that. And that is the, the key to, to all of this. I think it's the key to what's happening, what you see happening politically, is it's all right to have a difference of opinion. It's okay to feel differently about different things. Now, look, it, I don't think it's okay if something is uh, causing hatred and inciting hatred or inciting harm or hurt. That is a completely different thing, and it's disgusting, and it's awful. It's awful. Um, and so, but my feeling is, like, if someone feels something and they want to share it, great. You, 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 you did it. Well done in, in the way that you just shared how you felt. And again, I think that's okay. I think well, it's okay to have those differences. I'll tell you something, and I'll tell you this. Uh, I was offered a movie role recently, uh, before COVID, where, now that I'm thinking of it, I didn't even consider this, the character was gay. Uh, and I never, I, I turned it down for not that reason. I turned it down because I, I just didn't feel that I wanted to act at that point. And, uh, and I didn't know, I, I don't know, I had a whole bunch of feelings about it. But the, the, I, it never entered my mind, I swear to you, that, oh, because th this guy kisses another 